A reading from John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word was with God in the beginning. Everything came into being through the Word, and without the Word, nothing came into being. What came into being through the Word was life, and the life was the light for all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not extinguish the light. The word of the Lord. Well, good morning, y'all. My name is Toph. I am the worship director here at Oak Church. Um, I will say before I preface, or I'll preface this before I start my sermon, I love hearing you guys sing. It's the most pleasing thing in the world. There's three-part harmonies. There's, there's, it's just really great. So thank you for singing. It makes me so happy. Um, as a worship director, it's important to have a voice. As you can tell, I, I'm without voice this morning. I've been recovering from a nasty cold over the last couple of weeks. I think I'm out of the woods now. Um, but it's like when you skin your knee as a kid, and they're like, just tell, like, maybe you got bit by a shark. It's really cool. And so I was thinking that the churchy way of doing this is instead of like, I lost my voice from a cold, I was at the Amy Grant Christmas concert at Deepak, you know, wonderful counselor over and over again. And it was, whew, lost my voice with that. So forgive me for my gravelly low voice this morning. So as uh, Pastor Chris mentioned, today is the first Sunday of Advent, the Christian New Year. Um, it's a really exciting time. Um, and so I, I grew up in a Methodist church. Um, that didn't really focus on church seasons. Um, we were actually, it was during a time when the church was really concerned about seekers and dwellers. I don't know if anyone had this experience growing up in church. Um, as I understood it, seekers were the folks that didn't come to church, and so the church wanted to do things to attract them to come into the building. Um, dwellers were those who were either a part of the community already or were just Christians looking for a new church home. Um, it might be more than that, but my church was a self-described seeker church. While there's nothing inherently wrong with looking to how to serve the members of our community in a really good way, um, our church kind of swung the pendulum really hard to the other side, and so they did a lot of gimmicky things. Um, we only did hymns if, like, Hillsong United or Passion did them. So I knew, like, two hymns, and it was really, I was really good at those two hymns, so... Um, there was a time where the church decided to be smart to replace, think of it in here, replace all the pews with couches, bean bags, and in the back there were bar stools. Really cool. Very seekers, you know, very, very driven like that. Um, the favorite part, though, was they did a lot of sermon series, so it wasn't, like, very biblical. It was, like, I tell Anna, it's, like, how to balance your checkbook spiritually kind of things. And so when I was leaving this church growing up, um, the last thing they did was like a really in-depth sermon series on Batman Begins to show you what time that was. So it's like, what does Batman Begins have to tell us about Jesus? Um, those kind of sermons. Um, I don't want to harp in that church any more than that's necessary. Um, I became a Christian in that church. It was a really important part of my upbringing. Um, I made a lot of lifelong friends there. Um, but going to a church like that that was focused on kind of the maybe the cultural side of things. I feel like I missed out on a lot of churchy things. You know, I didn't know what liturgy meant until very recently. I couldn't tell you what lectionary text means as a concept. I can now, very, very churchy. Um, 
But I think the thing that I really regret that I didn't get raised on was the church calendar. Um, that's been kind of a new thing for me. We had Easter, we had Christmas growing up, but there was no corresponding Lent or Advent kind of runways to these seasons. Um, even Easter, we just did Easter Sunday. So I didn't have the Good Friday, Monday, Thursday kind of thing until very recently. Um, in coming to Oak these last few years, I really enjoyed learning about the church calendar. Um, and that's become a really big part of my spiritual rhythm. Um, I really love how the liturgical seasons invite us to align our lives with the rhythm of the divine. And getting into the rhythm of Advent in particular has been a real game changer for me. Um, as Chris said earlier, far beyond being a season, anticipating and celebrating the birth of baby Jesus, uh, Advent invites us to watch and wait for the imminent arrival of Jesus. An arrival whereby God will establish a new kingdom, a new creation free of pain and suffering. My favorite Advent preacher, and I hope yours to be soon, Fleming Rutledge, uh, as is, she's fond of saying, is that Advent is not for the faint of heart. It requires us to come face to face with a lot of really bad things in the world. Um, we come face to face with a broken world that is unable to be mended by human efforts. And even the plants and the trees and the animals groan, waiting for creation to be redeemed from being infected by sin. But as today's theme, hope bears witness, there is indeed hope to be had here. So while preparing for this sermon over the last week, um, I, and I'm sure a, a couple of y'all have been prepping to finish the semester at grad school for the fall. Um, I've been at Duke Divinity School. I'm done with class. I have four papers left, so talk to me in two weeks. It's going to be great. We're going to be friends again. Um, and my, I think my favorite class this year that I've actually been taking with Ty is um, the ethical and political thought of Martin Luther King, Jr. Um, this class goes well beyond kind of like the surface level. While important, like I have a dream speech, Birmingham jail kind of letters, um, to kind of look at the motivations behind where he's coming from, where his ideas are coming from. And a game changer idea, again, is I, I've never realized how much faith played a role in his life. Um, that was kind of his foundation that he built upon. Um, he tells this, this really, this story he's told a lot. Um, so he's, he's kind of like the leader of the civil rights movement. The Montgomery bus, bus boycotts have happened. He's the guy. Um, and he talks a lot about how before that, he had a great life. Had great parents, great upbringing, nothing really crazy happened. And then the bus boycotts happen. And every day, he's getting death threats. He's getting nasty calls. He's getting all these horrible things you know, thrown at him. And so one night, he talks about waking up to a phone call where someone said horrible, horrible racist things uh, and threatened to blow up uh, King and his wife's house. Um, and this, for some reason, this really like shattered him and, and woke him up. And so he, he was like, man, I don't know what to do anymore. I can't like shake this. I can't, people just won't understand. Um, is this even worth continuing? And he says that he even thought about, how am I going to resign from my position without people thinking that I'm a coward? Like a deep, dark, night of the soul kind of moment. And so he turned to the only thing that he knew could make a way out of no way in this situation, and he prayed out loud in his kitchen. And he asked God to just partner with him, give him strength and courage. Um, and there's this great quote. He says, after praying, almost at once my fears began to pass from me. My uncertainty disappeared. 
I was ready to face anything. The outer situation remained the same, but God had given me, King, inner calm. That's a real Advent statement, if I've ever heard one. When we look at the world today, the outer situation is pretty awful, still. Things like racism, poverty, gun violence plague our community. Our siblings around the globe experience war as a daily reality. Jesus, uh, in, in the New Testament a lot, he says that the, the ruler of the sky, the ruler of this world, uh, which is the adversary, um, also known as Satan, is very much in control of this current age. So Dr. King prefaced his story by pointing out that although it appears that evil will always rule the day, God had designed creation to always yield towards good. And he summed this up best in that phrase, um, the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends towards justice. Our scripture passage uh, this morning really seems to kind of hammer that in and confirm this. So we're going to dive into that a little bit. Um, Elizabeth, would you mind pulling the scripture up again? Thank you. So in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So here we see that the word, John's way of saying Jesus, that's a Greek thing we can talk about after service. Um, Jesus was always there from the beginning, and Jesus themselves was God. That was a, that was a big thing. <clears throat> Excuse me. So everything that was created was done by and through Jesus. John even says that the word, again, Jesus, was the light for all the people and that the darkness does not extinguish the light. Before we continue, it's important to note that the words light and darkness have been twisted and abused through history by folks um, in the past, especially in regards to race and race issues. Um, white skin was associated with light and kind of all the positive things that went along with that. Um, anyone who wasn't white was considered dark and evil, just awful, awful kind of things. So I want to preface that and say that we're not going to be using those words that way this morning. Um, I really want us to reconsider what those could mean. So if Jesus and all the positive things that come with him are the light, John refers to him as the light, um, we're going to think that to mean things like hope, peace, joy, and love, the Advent themes that we have uh, this season. Um, and darkness, then, is the absence of Jesus. So we have things like oppression, hate, and despair, kind of the anti-Advent um, themes. So back to Scripture. John says that Jesus was there from the beginning. Note that he doesn't say that God created Jesus or that Jesus was created the first of things. Um, he was always there. The reality that Jesus has always existed means that there's never been a time where he wasn't part of the plan. That was always, that was, that's how things are. That's a reality. Um, let's, I have this metaphor. So forgive me for any tech folks in the room. There's a lot of smart people in the room that are much more intelligent than I am in regards to this. If creation is a computer program, then Jesus is like the source code. Does that make sense? I feel amazing saying, saying that. Um, <laughs> but if Jesus is always there, that kind of goes back to what King was talking about, how this, like, the creation is always going to be good. Um, he, he uses kind of some metaphors to say, like, things like segregation. Um, there was, I mean, this is post-World War II, so, like, Nazism. They're, they're designed to fall. Like, they can exist for a time, but creation ultimately kind of pushes them out. Um, evil in that case is like an anomaly. It's just not, it's not a part of the plan. 
Um, so if Jesus stand, was there at the beginning, it stands, to be, it stands to reason that he'll be there at the end as well. But he will not be passive. He won't just merely be a presence there. Jesus tells us in Matthew 24 and 25 that he will come again at what is called the closing of the age to inaugurate this new kingdom of God. And Revelation, a book that kind of gets misused as well for, you know, end times and apocalypse kind of stuff, um, there's actually a lot more going on there. It's really beautiful. Um, it shows us a glimpse of what this new kingdom will be like. And it speaks of the time where the very presence of God comes down to this new earth, um, no longer separate, no longer a thing in the temple, no longer a thing kind of in our minds that's separate, like God will be here, the presence of God will be here. This will also be a time when there's no more death, no more pain, no more mourning, no more crying, no more all that stuff, which just is just amazing. Um, one of my favorite passages, it's kind of right after that. Um, God just, he, he tells um, John, it's done, it's finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Like what, is, what I'm telling you, it's already happened. It might as well have already happened. We can trust in this. This is a great example of that word, like the liminal state, like the in-between, the, the already but not yet kind of world that we live in. Christ has come, he came down, and he will come again. And because God exists outside of time, there's no beginning and end of like a start and a finish for God. God merely just is. In a way, again, we can say that this has already happened. The new kingdom has been inaugurated. We're just waiting to get there. Um, this reminds me of kind of the building situation that we're currently in. Um, for the folks who missed it or, or might be unfamiliar, um, Oak Church has been in this building, I think, what, for nine years? Um, and, and earlier this year, we were told, hey, y'all, we're going to sell the building. Now's a good time to start looking for a new space um, and, and, and go. And that's kind of like a, an exile motif, if you will. Um, and that's, that's really sad. Like, this is a great home for us. Um, but all is well. We have a new space, you know, down the street at the Lakewood Shopping Center, um, which is really exciting. So we've known for some time that the building would be not ours uh, any longer and that we'd need to move at the end of December. Well, we didn't know that date for a long time. So we were kind of living in this state, again, this liminal state of, are we going to be out by May? Are we going to be out by July? We did the farewell service in July um, that had, like, every musician here. So now I'm, I've, I've wasted it. So don't expect that on Christmas Eve. It's going to be me and my gravelly voice singing, Oh, come, Emmanuel. Um, but that's kind of what we're in. That's, that's the advent reality. That's the in-between state. The, the church is being built over there as we speak. Walls are up. There's doors. Doors. Really exciting. But we're not there yet. But we know we will be. So, like, we might as well practically be there now. We're kind of already, the, the room that we meet in upstairs is already being emptied of things. It's a very strange feeling. Um, but we get to go to this new place, this new place where maybe there'll be a better AC, less creaky floors, no more pain, mourning, suffering, or crying kind of a thing. So scripture tells us that we're to watch for signs of Christ's coming. And these signs include similar things to the current state of the world, war, natural disasters, famine, pestilence, all those kind of things. And with those things, there's an acute sense of the absence of Christ in the world, an absence of light. It kind of leaves us in a sort of darkness, again, an absence of Christ, no light, no hope. But 
in this absence of hope, we're to remain vigilant and look for signs of Christ's coming, to look for signs of light in the darkness. Um, Anna had a great thing. We were talking last night about this. And as if you're in, in like an empty open field and the sky is really dark, and then all of a sudden you're looking for that shooting star. Like, oh, there it is. Like, that's, there's the hope. That's really exciting. Um, I was listening to a bunch of Advent sermons, and, and Pastor Chris had this great illustration a couple years ago. When you're watching together, he talked about Batman. Um, great Batman reference, not a Batman Begins sermon, just to preface that. But he talked about how in Batman comics, when Batman's saying, like, Robin, we got to keep an eye out, they stand back to back and kind of they can cover all the bases that way. Um, I really like that. There's a communal sense to that. Watching for the signs of Christ coming, waiting for this Advent is not a solo effort. We do it together. We do it in community. It's kind of like, hey, y'all, we should really watch our backs here. Like, we never know when God's going to come. And it's not like a, a punishment kind of thing of like, make sure you're not lying when God comes back. Make sure you're not reading something that's not the Bible when God comes back. It's more of this, like, optimistic, y'all, like, keep an eye out. Things are awful. We need to, like, encourage and boost each other up. So if you see a sign of light, tell me about it. Like, let's go. Let's figure it out together. Um, I think that's really important. We need, in this moment, too, we need to keep being agents of reconciliation in our communities. If, if God is coming back and we are to be ready for him, them, then it's not a sense of, yeah, don't lie, don't get caught not reading the Bible. It's kind of like we've been put in charge of God's house while they're out until they come back. And so we're in charge of keeping it clean. That means being good neighbors. Again, being agents of reconciliation, sharing the gospel, um, very important kind of things. Um, again, being those signs of light ourselves in the world of darkness. These things we do, or we try to do at least every day, and we do this while fumbling in the dark. It's almost like we have little Jesus flashlights that are just shining the little bits of light as best as we can. Um, Eugene Peterson has actually a new collection of sermons out, um, which is really great. And he's got a great Advent sermon. Uh, and in that sermon, he calls the second coming. He says that it gives us a special sense of urgency to the daily. So the daily is just being a good neighbor, being, trying, trying to extend love and grace to everybody else. But there's a sense of urgency of like, we got to keep the house in order because God's coming back, y'all. Like, things are going to get better, and we want it to be ready. But again, this is a climate of darkness, the absence of God. In this absence of light that is Jesus, it can be easy to succumb to despair. And I am so guilty of being, what's the right word, desperate? I'm so guilty of being a pessimist in this kind of stuff. I, even this morning, while, while we were rehearsing songs, I was scrolling CNN, just reading awful articles about the war and those kind of things. And man, when I'm at home, I can just get in loops of doom scrolling, you know, just bad, bad articles about how everything's wrong and nothing's going to get better. Um, this is not a productive exercise. I encourage you to not doom scroll like me. Um, I'm not going to change anything by reading about, like, the ocean temperatures are rising. I can put an ice cube in the water. It's not going to change the temperature. But in this moment, I think it's important to learn with Advent is that it teaches us that God alone is capable of restoring things. I'm not. We are not. If this requires breaking in, like he did in human flesh at a time and place in history, 
to make something happen. That's going to happen again. We cannot do anything to bring that about any quicker than it already is. We don't know the time. Jesus said the time is not known. It's just going to happen. I think that's really important is that Jesus, Jesus doesn't say, hey, it's going to happen on December 21st, 2024. It's going to be great. He just promises that it's going to happen. God has promised they will return and they will make things right and they will establish this new kingdom. So Fleming Rutledge, again, my favorite Advent and hopefully your preacher, says, to be a Christian is to live in expectation of that fulfillment. The life of the church, lived in solidarity with those in the darkness, carries with it the embodiment of a certainty. When Christ comes again, it will be the God of mercy and no one else. And unlike human beings, she says, God will keep their promise. Oak Church, would you pray with me? We're going to use um, the Advent One Collect from the Episcopal Book of Common Prayer this morning. Almighty God, give us grace to cast away the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Now in the time of this mortal life in which your son, Jesus Christ, came to visit us in great humility, that in the last day, when he shall come again in his glorious majesty to judge both the living and the dead, we may rise to the life immortal through him who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.